Welcome to the Business Gorillas Podcast, where the biggest, mightiest, and most fearless business owners share their closely guarded secrets and strategies with your host, serial entrepreneur, and marketing badass, marketing badass, Josh Rosenberg. What's going on, everybody? I am here today with a good friend of mine, someone that I've known for years, been doing work with for years, and I'm really excited to have. Uh, this is Jimmy Kim. Jimmy um, has a really cool business. Uh, he's the owner of a company called Sendlane. They are one of the largest, fastest-growing email marketing companies out there. Um, I've sent a ton of clients to Jimmy in the past because the way that Sendlane works, the options, the power, the freedom, the automation tools, everything that they have is light years beyond what a lot of other companies will have, especially at the price point. If you're working with an enterprise level client that's spending 50 grand a month just to be able to send their customers emails, sure, those guys might have some bells and whistles that Sendlane doesn't, but in, in any other price point, Sendlane blows him away. And Jimmy's been uh, in this world for about 12 years. Uh, I think I've known him maybe three or so of those years. And, um, you know, with, with the White Knight system, one of the things that I purposely didn't talk about in the system is using email marketing, um, which we'll get into in a second. And I didn't really mention that in the main course itself because I knew I wanted to try and get uh, Jimmy in here to do an interview because he could explain some of the finer points better than I can. So, Jimmy, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to kind of share and kind of guide your white knights through uh, their process as well, too, especially with email marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so uh, a lot of the people that are going through the white knights system, they are taking on clients of all different shapes and sizes. It could be the mom and pop bakery down the block that maybe you put your business card into their little fishbowl and once a week somebody, you know, wins some free cupcakes to their office and, you know, they use that as a way of um, collecting email addresses all the way up to huge online businesses with mailing lists of millions of people. So could uh, you just give us a bit of an overview about some of the different uh, calibers or tier sizes of businesses that can use email marketing and what um, specifically uh, some of their best, um, uh, most profitable ways of doing this might be some of the, the real areas where they've got something that, uh, they can leverage. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think when you think about email marketing, there's a lot of ways that you can think about it because I think there's just such a wide use case of things that you could be doing and to kind of start off with the tiering side of things. I think that's really the most important thing that a lot of people don't really seem to understand and understand that there are different tools for different businesses based around what we call use cases. So use cases where it's uh, something you're doing in your business and you're trying to solve that through some type of automation or some type of technology side of things. 
to make things easier for you as a business owner or someone who's coming in to help a business kind of grow at the same time. So, you know, when we think about that, when, you know, you think about the local mom and pop store that's, you know, a flower shop down the street versus maybe a digital online course company to a e-commerce company with a retail storefront, or even just a, a very strong B2C brand or even larger to a B2B brand, right? So thinking about that and understanding the core of who you are as a business and who you're serving, it should be a very important part of how you leverage Gmail marketing. So let's just kind of start off with being a mom and pop store. Let's just say you're a restaurant and for example, right. And you get people to come into your restaurant and they eat their food and maybe you have a fishbowl or maybe you have a sign up where you're collecting their email. You know, those are your customers that you're kind of collecting into your system. You should be using the tool that kind of helps those helps you kind of accelerate and automate a lot of those things when it comes down to it. So knowing that that's kind of how you should be tiering yourself. I don't think that size is always the tier. I think that's your first level of tier. And then you get to your second level of tier, which is size, right? And size becomes like, are you a small business? Are you a mid-sized business? Are you a larger business? And that secondary kind of makes kind of it all kind of come together. But when you're thinking about your email, the way that I think about email, and I think that you know, we, when we talk to our clients and people that we challenge on these calls, because a sales call to us, for example, is a consulting call. It's a call that we're discovering what the person actually needs in their business and help identify those pain points so that we can help solve those for them and make things easier for them. So, you know, email marketing at the core is how you communicate to your customers, how you nurture those customers, how you're able to get those people to pull out their wallets and spend more with your company as well too, ultimately as your main goal, right? So when you're thinking about how you want to work with your customers and they call this customer journey, how does a person actually want to kind of, how do you feel that when a person is introduced to your company, how do you feel that you should nurture those people through what we call a journey or a life cycle where a person kind of goes through a can be an automated flow or non-automated flow, but how do they get from point A to point B, which your ultimate goal is to make money off the person, but also to give them value, to nurture them, to introduce you to your brand, to your mission and everything else that comes with it. So when you're thinking about this, what you should be doing is first identifying who you are as a business or who you, the business is, realizing the scale that their business is, and then really finding that tool based around those use cases that you're driving. Because it may be, again, uh, a local mom and pop restaurant may want to just share about the weekly specials that they have, or uh, they may want to tell them about coupons that they might be putting out there or restaurant week. I mean, there's a million things that you could be announcing your hours of operation, obviously with this pandemic that's happened, uh, you know, people adjusted their hours, maybe their business model a little bit, maybe the food service all automatically became a dine-in to a carryout system now, you know, whatever it may be, but making sure that you understand what it is you want to do in that business. And that's, Ultimately, what you're really doing is really understanding what's the goal of your, uh, you know, what's the goal of email marketing? What do you really want to do? Is it just to find more people or whatever? And then it's really trying to understand like, okay, from there, like, what do I have in assets and things that we have? So, you know, the list, right? The email list is the, generally the number one thing that drives all this, which is the number of people that have you know, raise their hand that they've wanted to hear more information or given you information because they made a purchase or uh, expressed interest by, you know, opting into a lead gen on your website, though it may be about announcements or coupons or a free gift of some sort. So again, it's very open to interpretation and the thought process around business and what you are, but tiering wise in the side of things, the number one thing you've really got to understand is like, 
before you run off and go and join whoever, I mean, as much as I love everyone to join Sendlane, the reality in fact is that not everybody is fit for Sendlane because we're a tool that serves an exact use case and problem solve that may not be relevant to what you're actually trying to solve on your side as well too. So uh, that's the number one side that I start off with with tiering. And then to go on to about how that revenue and the money is generated from there is like this. And I'm sure this is something as someone who's probably been online or explored this at some level, you've heard this saying before or heard something around this inkling is that that email list is one of the most valuable tools and assets that you'll have. It's your only owned asset outside of your inventory and everything else when it comes to when, when it comes to marketing, meaning that you own the email addresses when they have given given them to you, right? And uh, people have asked for it. So knowing that what the biggest thing about email marketing that's such a huge driver is, you know, any company, it doesn't matter if you're an e-commerce company or your mom and pop store, that email list could be your lifeblood to kind of being able to kind of revive things or being able to get things rolling in the company and utilizing that to com communicate with your customers in a clear, transparent manner where you're keeping them excited, wanting them to learn more information is really your ultimate goal and job with email marketing with that whole goal of like, what is it that you're trying to get them to achieve? So for email marketing, I think the biggest thing is just really truly understanding how your business operates and what you need in the business and then realizing like what do the people want to do uh know and you know the biggest thing that i always say to everybody when i'm on that other end is saying to you as the you know whoever the business owner is or the consultant is is that does a person on the other end really want to receive your email right do they find value in that email do they find that that email is going to help them understand who you are what you're doing what you're selling or anything like that and be clear transparent and being able to communicate them with the right message to the right person as well too and so forth so that's my overall like hierarchy and i'm sure we'll dive into this a little bit more but hopefully i gave you a answered your question there josh yeah absolutely and part of knowing if people want to hear from you or not is being able to maintain in communication with them um and not always sending them a pitch i know uh you know, living here in New York, there are a lot of health clubs and especially kinds of gyms and stuff. And um, let's say you, you join a gym for whatever reason, you really like the trainers there, the facility, and you don't hear from them for six months to a year. When, that, when they finally do send you an email, there's a good chance it's not going to reach the inbox. It's been dormant for so long that Google or Yahoo Mail or whoever may see that and and not feel comfortable putting all of those messages into the inbox. So part of it is maintaining communication with the readers in order to keep that list alive and active. Um, and on top of that, not always sending them uh, a pitch to try and sell them something. So it might be once a week, you're sending out an email that talks about the classes that you have coming up that week. Or if there's a trainer that has a few open spots left saying, Hey, you know, you can book with, this trainer at these times. Um, it could be about um, tips on how to recover from injury quicker or how to add more reps to your next workout or whatever it is that provides the reader some value. And uh, when you do have a reason to email them with something marketing wise, now you're much more likely to get a response. I know, um, you know, here because of COVID-19, all these health clubs had to shut down. And how are they going to pay their trainers and pay their rent if they can't have classes? Well, classes, the gyms here that are both, I guess, one on social media and then two that are having uh, maintained email contacts, 
uh, they were making, a, I, I know a few offhand and I'm, I'm friends with a few trainers who are making more money than ever because people are having to stay home and the gym has had such good communications with their clients over the years that they can say, Hey, uh, Mike is doing a group fitness class, you know, Tuesdays at 3 PM and it's only $10. Here's the link to sign up. Or you can do virtual uh, one-on-one training and being able to just send that message out and know that it's going to hit almost everybody that's in their database. That's a lifesaver to these companies. That's huge. Now on top, now moving a little further in some of the businesses that I've helped build where they're more online based digital businesses. If somebody comes to my website and buys a product from me and then never hears from me again, what, what was the point of, of sending them, of collecting that email address. Whereas on the other hand, if they, maybe they don't buy from me, maybe I bribe them with a, a free gift in order to get their email address. And now I've got this automated sequence of follow-up emails that hopefully will over time will provide them enough value and enough insight that pretty soon they're ready to now buy from me. All of these things, I don't have to worry about sending these every day. I can literally like write the email one time and decide, okay, I want this to go out 24 hours after the person's emailed me. 24 hours later, here's email two, then three, four, five. And now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter who the person is, where they're located, when they join the email list, they're getting these messages at the proper time. And I'm now able to, to generate sales from somebody that maybe joined a few months ago who just wasn't ready yet back then. Or maybe they joined three days ago, they were ready, but something distracted them, they forgot all about me. You know, so would you mind talking a little bit about how some of these automation features are, are lifeblood for a lot of businesses? Yeah. And I think he's touched on it really well. I think like what you kind of explained was what you consider what they call like a drip campaign or a very soft follow-up series that you're kind of creating there. And I think that's absolutely a very important part of the nurturing stage and making sure you're staying in front of the communication. I mean, you kind of nailed it in the head, like, if you're collecting email lists and you're not contacting, what's the point of collecting that email list? There is literally none if you're not contacting them. And I know that there's always a fear in people's head that they might be over contacting them. But at the same time, you've got to also remember that a people, average person has about 145 emails in that inbox each and every day. So when you're thinking about that, you know, you do become another email and the way you stand out is really through that communication that you're putting in the desire that they want to continue to hear from you as well too. So you mentioned about even deliverability and everything that comes into place there. I think all of that comes into place of making sure that you have a good system. So I think there's two use cases here that I'd love to dive into a little bit more is like, what if I'm a business who is doing some communication and what if I'm someone who has done none? And I think that will be really good. So when someone is actually doing communication, it's, it gets a lot easier because at least they understand that that communication is important and following that up with a really good driven use case. Uh, and I'm, I, I will continue to bring back use cases because I think it's super important. So, you know, typically, okay, so let's take it the smallest and the easiest hierarchy. You kind of mentioned it already. Someone puts in their email address for whatever reason, they get put into what we call a drip series or a cadence of emails where they'll get an email every, every 12 hours or 24 hours or three days, whatever but it may there's be. There's some kind of That's scheduled, planned out sequence. Yeah, correct. 
And then the other side is I've been collecting email addresses that I've done nothing with them. I send them a newsletter on Thanksgiving because I want to say happy Thanksgiving on a Christmas. I'll send them happy Merry Christmas, but I don't really want to communicate them because I'm bothering them. And I think where people start to mis mislead this is that people like brands, people like companies and like, they just need to know why. And I think that this is especially important depending on the, uh, the sector of business. So like, yeah, we talked about earlier tiering around, you know, what's your business and what's your size. But now the next thing is what is the actual people that are in there? So are they gym with a bunch of millennials or are they, you know, the stamp company that sells stamps to this average 60 or 70 year old. Right. And everything starts changing there again as well too. So, uh, you know, it just really depends on what you're actually doing. So if we go back to that original business that has some email marketing, you've got a basic drip campaign, maybe a two, three email follow-up. How can you kind of accelerate that and make that better? And what we like to call that is like behavioral based marketing, where you can actually take the behaviors and actions that they're doing to really trigger different communications. So a person who's come to your site, visited multiple pages, maybe added something to their cart and then walked away, should be handled and treated differently than if someone who comes in, puts their email list and leaves right away, never to be seen again. That's a completely different lead, right? And knowing that and understanding that is really important. So when you already have some established thing, it's much important that you can take that, uh, take a good tool or take a good process to really understand how to really define that journey and get people in there and start really putting people through an action set based around like, did they open an email? Did they visit your website? Did they make a purchase? Did they abandon your cart? Like all, all those things are really important when you're thinking about it. And then you can flip to the other side where I have no email list. And that suddenly becomes a different thing because now you've got to work on first gaining their trust, uh, letting them know that you're here to support them. You've got to kind of give them awareness of what they're doing. So there's a lot of different nurturing or early start of that campaign that comes into place. And that's where a great consultant or someone can might be able to help you as well too. Or if you're really at the point where you understand this, it's also important to know that, you know, it's going to take steps to get to that place. So uh, initially it may be really just creating a great campaign to really get to know your subscribers, understand who you are, maybe jump into Google analytics. If they have anything set up to really understand, you know, who their customer base is and who's actually visiting your site and really getting that persona down. And then being able to go out there and reach out to them and send in the right content. So like, you know, if you're working with millennials, for example, I'll give you a perfect one. I think people of the millennial world care a lot more about the mission, the brand than even just the product itself. I think product is always going to be important, but like they want to know mm -hmm. why they want to know why they should spend money with you instead of someone else. Right. And a lot of things that people fail to do in my world, in my opinion, especially with email marketing is simply sharing their story and reiterating that story over and over again and their mission behind that story, what they're trying to solve. So if you're a, uh, a pet company and your mission is to save, dogs or cats, for example, and they may have a mission where they, they want to save a 10,000 dogs or no kill shelter, whatever that may be, you know, you should be putting that out there often and early and kind of making sure you communicate that. So they know, Hey, you know, we haven't spoken in a while and it should be transparent like that. I know we haven't spoken in a while, but I really wanted to share about what our mission and our company was, you know, this is what we do. This is what we're out in the world to solve. This is what we're looking to uh, do. And this is how we help you at the same time. So oh, absolutely. You know, again, and using this as an opportunity to, let's say it is a, an animal shelter to highlight the stories of animals who have been rescued recently, if nothing more, just a way of staying in uh, constant communication you can talk about, you know, this six-year-old dog with one eye that you were certain was going to spend the rest of its life in the shelter, but 
some wonderful family with a heart of gold saw this animal in need and decided to, to give it a loving home. That's a fantastic story. And people that are on that email list, they're on it for the reasons like that. They're going to see that and it's a heartwarming story and they're going to be more, they're going to feel closer connection to, to the shelter as a result. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things to understand up front when you're getting in here. Not everyone is going to care about your mission. Not everyone's going to want to continue listening from to you. They just may have wanted a certain product and they might want to move on. But those are also the people that you shouldn't be worried about. You should be worried about that core loyal fan base that you're starting to build up with whatever product or service that you're selling. So it could yeah. be anything when it comes down to it, but also making sure and you kind of nailed it. Like storytelling is like one of the most powerful ways to go out there and communicate to people because people love stories generally and they want to know what you can do for them and how you are working towards doing something that makes them better. And also people follow those companies and they want to be a part of them. There's plenty of companies that I follow that I have nothing to do with. I've probably never even purchased the product, but I love what they're doing and what their mission is. So I read each and every email that they send. And eventually when the time comes, I will make a purchase, right? So like, that's also important as well. And then to second that thought, what you had was, I think what the part that I, I think even deeper as you continue to dive into that persona is like really trying to take that information and pull it apart and understand the data behind it. Like, you know, a person who came in and dropped their card into a fishbowl for a free meal and maybe they ate or maybe they didn't, but they did that and left versus a customer who's been to your store or ate at your restaurant three times is going to be a much more powerful person and understanding how to pull that data apart and really send that right message. So a person who's visited your restaurant three times, I'm going to be sending them about my daily eats, my coupons, my specials, the things that I'm really excited about that I'm going to be bringing out into there. And then someone who may have just came in the fishbowl, my job and objective is to get them to come into my restaurant and eat for the very first time or order a carryout order, which means that I got to treat them very differently. So like, oh, you know, there's, a, you know, Oh, I was going to say um, one thing that I've, I've heard from a lot of students over the years is that they are working with a client who they just, for whatever reason, they think that the client assumes that there's no story that people want to hear. So for instance, I know one person in particular that started, uh, that took on an accounting firm as a client. And these are very boring, straight lace, you know, accounting types. And why is somebody on this email list? There's nothing exciting and like, that's going to get you to stop in your tracks and pause what you're watching on TV and run over and read this email. And you're right. You're not going to always be able to get that same level of excitement out there. You're not, but being able to, when there's some new rule or law that's passed that has to do with accounting or the IRS, or there's some time of year, let's say around the holidays when they know people statistically go into more credit card debt than normal because they're buying gifts you can create a story about what to look out for, why, how to overcome it. You don't have to use complicated industry jargon. You can talk to people, you know, on, on any level and tell the story of how um, Billy knew to ask his employer to take out X percent of his paycheck ahead of time to put in this tax deferred investment account. And as a result, when Billy turned 63 or whatever it was, he was able to take home a pre-tax check for another $85,000 that he otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. All right. That's not probably going to get me to pause the fucking Super Bowl if that's what I'm watching and run over and read that. But that's definitely something that I'm going to read. And 
I'm, I might just right away call up my accountant and say, Hey, what can you tell me about this? You know, yeah, absolutely. So no matter what the business is, there's always a story that can be used to, to further that bond. Now, the other thing that I want to talk on, and um, I don't know if you can see it, but here's me taking a ball and I'm putting it on a tee for you. Um, one of the other things is people that use predominantly online businesses. One of the questions that I always hear is what is the best time to email somebody? You know, of course you mentioned people have an average 145 emails a day. And when you wake up in the morning, you probably get the bulk of them through there. Then throughout the day, they come in sporadically. And then towards the end of the day around dinner time, you're going to have another large chunk. Well, how do you know what the best time is? And if you're competing with 145 others, how do you make sure you get seen by the right person at the right time? Uh, so this is actually an interesting one because I can almost threefold this into multiple things, right? So first and foremost, if you don't know the time, we always say it's very simple. Send it in the morning, somewhere in the morning, 6 to 8 a.m., maybe 9 a.m., sometime in the morning. Get in with the mix because people are used to habitually receiving a lot of emails at the time. So they're going to read through those emails, right? The second way that we've seen that's been really impactful, we've noticed, is a lot of these companies, they may have not focused on email, but they do always focus on social because social is hot right now and everyone talks about it. But the insights behind that social will really tell you how your subscribers and users that are following you actually react. So if you like Instagram or Facebook, for example, you can actually load an insight graph up there and you can see my activity of my users is at 12 p.m. or 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever it comes down to. And you can actually predict when the person's most likely going to open, right? That's another way to kind of predict. The third way, obviously, is with a great tool that's kind of tracking data and being able to do it. So at Sendlane, for example, like, you know, we have something called machine learning open predictability. And what it does is it tracks opens, clicks, and your website activity over a historical 30 days and views how people are actually opening and engaging that email and helping people to actually drop that email into their inbox at the time that we've seen them make that purchase or that open over a, a period of time. So there's an average because I'm sure you're like me, everyone, we're creatures of habit. So you know, if your habit is to wake up and open all your emails on your phone, that's your habit. Your habit might be that you wake up, do yoga, go for a run, take a shower, eat breakfast, and then I open my emails at 11 a.m. So it really depends on trying to find that. But I think the biggest thing around it is data and being able to utilize that data to actually make predictable, educated guesses behind things as well, too. So that's the three ways that I look at it. I think if you don't know, you start at the most basic, which is just pick a time, see what happens. you got to test it. You might start at 8 a.m. and then you might try at 6 p.m. later. But also, if you know your persona at this point, you also know, hey, I've got an older crowd. They're probably going to be awake earlier, but they might not get on the internet till only late night. But a young millennial crowd is going to be hooked up to their phone for all time. So they know that their email is always in front of them. So knowing your crowd and being able to do that is going to be helpful there. And then the second one was obviously leveraging other areas. It could even be your store or CRM or shopping cart experience generally tracks time and metric. And you can go in there and kind of understand where that number might be. And then you kind of hybrid that with the first one or have a great tool that tracks that information to be able to do it for you. So those would be my three ways kind of hearing from that question as well, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have I, some of the clients that I've brought over to Sendlane. Um, obviously, if we have an email list that we're importing, we don't have that open data readily available for the first month. So what I'll usually do is I'll send emails to go out at 5 a.m. Because, you know, especially when people would have to wake up early to go to work when the world was normal, 
you would have people would be getting up 5:45, 6 a.m. to to get ready for their day. I I don't want them in their morning commute driving when my email reaches their inbox. I would rather be there either there before so they can read it as they're having their coffee. Or at the very least, I know when they get in the office, it'll be sitting there. I would do that for a while. And then I would also test um, emailing people in the evening. So, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 p.m., not usually after 10, unless there's a very specific reason. And that's on a per case basis, but 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, and then sometimes the only time I'd really mail in the middle of the afternoon is if there was a reminder. Let's say we're yep. running a big sale that ends at 6 p.m., and I email them at noon to let them know that they've only got six hours left. Um, after the first month or so, four to six weeks that I've been doing this, I can see in Sendlane, it shows me the results. Every time I send out that email blast, I see the percentage of people that have opened and clicked and all of that. And I can track, okay, these people like receiving the emails early in the morning or later, whenever. After about that 30 day mark, when I go to hit that email, I don't have to guess anymore. I can literally just hit that, uh, that one little toggle option. And now I know no matter who you are, where you are, what time of day, anything, it's going to hit your inbox when you're most likely going to open it. So that one little feature alone increases revenue. People yeah. are more likely to see the email. They're more likely to read it. They're more likely to, to click and they're more likely to buy. Um, so that right there is freaking great. Um, now I know when you're dealing with the online business world, the information product world, stuff like that, um, we've had a kind of a, a general rule of thumb that started maybe 15 years ago or so that said each person on your mailing list should be roughly worth about a dollar a month. Uh, how does that equate to other businesses, maybe in the offline world, maybe, uh, other or they could be B2B companies. Like does that old cliche for info products carry over to other industries? I think that has changed a lot. I think it's changed a lot in the fact that people are starting to understand how email works. So when that cliche kind of 15 years ago kind of started, people were mailing their email list every day, sometimes twice a day. And it that kind of me, uh, caused three that. Times a yeah. Day. And yeah, that was normal. That's what everybody thought you would need to do because back then it was so new and relevant, that uh, uh, new and kind of unknown. But I think what's now happening where people are starting to realize is like you could actually get more than that if you actually are only hitting them with the right message around the right time. So, you know, to take an e-commerce store, for example, they may take uh, their customers and segment them out and realize like here's my VIPs, the high tier guys. Here's the guys who like to buy all the new releases. Here's the people who have abandoned cart but visited my site in the last 30 days. Whatever those segments or those groups of people may be. And instead of going out and doing a newsletter blast to you know the entire massive audience, you can correlate take that information that you have and data that you have on the customer and actually kind of target the right type of people. So you know for example, I release new products every two weeks, let's just say, right? Let's say I release a new t-shirt every two weeks and I know that I have a crowd of people who buy all my new releases. Well, I'm going to email just those people with my new releases because they don't care about my old stuff. I've seen it. They only like to buy my new releases, right? So why would I send anything else to those people? Well, the big thing about it is, yes, we're only maybe sending less email, maybe you're only sending two or three or four emails a month, but those people are so primed to buy, the conversion rates are so much higher, the value of those users start to increase over there while you're kind of 
kind of taking them down that mission of like, you know, we know you like to buy new products. So here's our new products each and every two weeks. And that's all they want to hear from you. Where then you might have someone who's visited your website heavily, maybe added carts, added products, and then kept, keep abandoning it. Something is not right. They are not getting over the edge. Maybe they need a discount. Maybe they need to hear the story. Maybe you don't believe in your mission, whatever it may be. It's your job to figure out as a marketer or a person who's helping them out and trying to figure out what it is that they actually want to hear about, what's actually a cause the conversion as well too. So I think that old cliche is still true. I think it's actually more now if you are nurturing your client correctly, segmenting it and actually sending them relevant emails. I think when you think back at 15 years ago, we were sending whatever email we thought was good for them. We didn't let them tell us what their email was good for them. And I think that's the shift that's changed, but people are spending more online. The buying habits have changed more than ever, especially with this pandemic. Like, People are out there that have never bought anything online, buying online now and showing up, uh, you know, that's been introduced to them. Uh, perfect example, my parents, uh, they called me like uh, two weeks into three weeks into the pandemic. And they're like, Jimmy, guess what? And I'm like, what? And they're like, I went on this site called Amazon and I ordered this product. And in two days I had it on my door. I never had to leave my house and I'm safe from COVID. And I was like, that's what I've been doing all my life from all I know. But to them, that's new and new. It's generational change that's happening right now, right? We hyper accelerated the online experience and the fact that you could do things from the comfort of your own home. So I think that's, that's a really interesting like thing that you have to think about, like understanding that like you can make more money than a dollar from a user. Obviously that dollar should be a good benchmark for you, but it's not by a lot of volume. It's about really great targeted messaging and really great targeted segmentation as well too. And staying in front of them and communicating. That does not mean you shouldn't email them once a month. It does mean you should put them on a regular cadence. And then the, the second part is creatures of habits. There's no doubt that people are creatures of habits. If you send emails at you know, once you figure out when that perfect email needs to go to them, you should try to stay in that cadence as much as possible because they, they people like to kind of feel like they're not feeling, uh, I guess, disrupted because this is what they expect from you. So like there's that second part of that brand voice that comes into place as well, too. So that's kind of my thought process behind it. I think that we see companies all the time now, especially larger e-commerce stores, making two, three, four dollars per subscriber per month all day long in their in their uh, thing. So you know they may have three hundred thousand people, and they're maybe making a one point two million dollars off their email list every month while their store is off doing it. Obviously, a big scale here, but like we see that on a quite regular now because they're not sending an email every day. They're actually just sending that right email to that person, which is causing such a tremendous lift in your conversions more emails are getting to their inbox because more people are engaging and opening those emails and act activating on those emails and overall everybody is happier because those people also expected that email because they're used to receiving that email so that's my thought process around all that all right and the last thing i really want to touch on is probably the biggest topic of all which we don't need to go into it i know you could not you could be talking for a week straight about this um but uh, we've mentioned a lot about deliverability. And in short, it's getting into the inbox, not getting put in spam, not getting put in the promotional tab, uh, making sure that you reach the inbox. And obviously, if, Jimmy, you're using your regular Gmail account and you email your parents, they're going to see it. Because mm -hmm. you're emailing one person and Gmail knows you have a personal relationship with them. However, when you go to a, a more professional solution like SendLane, Gmail now knows that this is a business relationship and they want to make sure 
that the person receiving it genuinely wants to receive it. So they're going to be very cautious for a while about how many people that email gets delivered to. Um, there are, you, you've kind of got to build your trust with them. The Gmail has to be, and this is everyone, this is Yahoo mail, people that still use AOL or MSN. This is anybody that you're emailing. You've got a level of uh, trust that you've got to prove in order to uh, be permitted to get into that inbox. And the smaller the group that you're mailing to, the more likely it is they're going to be kind to you in the beginning and get you in that inbox. So if you know you take on a, a, a client that has an email list of 250 people, that should be really no problem to get into that inbox. If you take on a client that has 3 million people, depending on their habits that they've used over the past years, that could be a huge monumental task. In fact, I, I think you remember one client that uh, um, I was working with who uh, I believe you, you actually introduced me to them and they for years had just done an absolutely abysmal job running their own systems, getting to the inbox and it became several months struggle to try and dig them out of that hole. They, were, they didn't even realize that they were circling the drain. Um, Ultimately, it, 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 that the relationship ended up being severed because it just, the results that they were expecting from me, because they had a very sizable list, I was never going to be able to deliver that to them within a, even a few months. That was going to be a long time in order to get them to a point where they could have seen some good results. So for that reason, we decided to part ways. But assuming that somebody, a white knight, is working with a client who hasn't done the world's worst job in the world of nurturing their list. Um, what are some of the best practices that you can do to try and um, improve that open rate, that deliverability, and and try to keep it at a high enough level? So there's a lot of things that you can do, but I'll kind of touch on some of the main points here. And you're right, like I could talk about this forever. But uh, the first thing is segmentation. I think that that's very much an important thing of understanding who your person is on the other end as much as you can, again, through GA or whatever, uh, or maybe your history of data or anything that you have. So I'm assuming they have some level of sophistication, meaning they've done something, they've got a tool that's at least driven them, and we can at least see the dates that they subscribed or where they subscribed, or maybe yeah. more data behind that. You, you can segment by customers and just leads. You can segment yeah. by customers that have bought multiple times from you, Versus just once. So it yep, doesn't, you exactly. don't need to, to keep your head inside of Google Analytics and be looking at confusing charts all day. It could be very um, uh, just easy to kind of comprehend, wrap your head around uh, segmentations. Yep. So you just kind of split your list up a little bit and get those attributes in there and figure out who the right person is. So that's like step number one of good delivery, right? So you're not just sending everybody an email, but the people that actually believe that you should be sending that. Then it comes to that messaging. I think, you know, I know uh, you've spoken about it plenty of times, but really being able to tell the story, relate to them, be able to communicate to them and always have a real strong reason why they need to continue to read or continue to go on. So they call to action as well too. So, you know, they always say a good email has, uh, uh, what's that called? Um, excitement. And that means you're like subject line, your information right out the front. Then you've got logic for those people who are a little bit more logical sense. And then you've got a call to action or an urgency place to it, right? A scarcity to urgency. So those three elements should be fulfilled in every email that you're doing. But the part that I think people get stuck on when 
it comes to email creation is they don't know what to put in that email. And I know you teach a great job at like really creating that story and understanding and stuff like that. But again, you got to know who that user is. So if that user just cares about the sales, then you can sell them just a sales message only. But if they care about, you know, they, they engage differently and this is where testing and understanding that comes into play. So, you know, taking that segment and taking that small micro audience and being able to see what actually works for those people. So content, not using duplicate content, old content because it's easy or, you know, just copy and paste or a generic message is super important and creating that personalization when it comes to two ways of personalization, not just, you know, what your name is and what they've made purchased or whatever it may be. But the second personalization being that you are taking their journey and where they actually are. If they visit your website or when the last time you touched them, when the last time you communicate them, that personalization of actually taking that person and putting them in. So those are like the first two. Then there's the other kind of practices that come into place, which are a little bit softer depending on the business. But like, you know, the, the, you know, it goes back to a lot of the content and messaging, but like, you know, how are you communicating? But like, what are the triggers look like? What are the, what are the uh, high level, like, uh, you know, things like, like, uh, your links look like, what does, uh, what does the actual page on the other end look like as well too? And thinking about the conversion side as well too. And so, you know, there's a lot of things of like correlating, like I always say when you open that email and you get that email as a person, as a business, you should be able to look at that email and identify who is it for? What, what are you sharing? What are you trying to sell? Or what are you trying to communicate? And is there a goal and an objective behind it? Right. And you should be thinking about that in delivery as well too. It's like, you know, is the content right? Is the segment of people right? Are the links uh, on the other action side? Because it's just as bad if you send a great email and send into something that has nothing to do with them. That's just as bad of an email as well too. Is there an engagement point in that email? Is there something that's going to get them to engage with that email again is there a call to action is there something they want to read is there something they're going to want to fast forward off their friends because they're so inspirational is it going to be something they want to post on social media uh are things that come into place as well too and then there's a lot of other things like is the name for example is the from name clear right if i'm joe's pizza shop and i'm sending it as bob like it's not relatable but if i'm sending it as joe at joe's pizza shop or if i'm sending it as joe pizza or whatever it may be, you know, having that clear, identical name. And then of course, you know, we talked about content. The other last part is really that subject line as well too. I think people too often forget to introduce themselves, forget to excite them, could forget to tell them what they're actually doing with that email and kind of showing them. I think that the world is changing into a, this transparent world where everyone wants to know as much information up front as fast as possible that you can get and how to kind of listen to that and see that if it's relatable to that person. So I think, again, the world is changing in the way that people are, and there's a lot of emails that come into play. So how do you make yourself stand out without going too crazy? Now, other side of that comes into like all the spam things, like you use the spam trigger words. I'm talking like free, guaranteed, promises, you know, uh, discounts, sex. all these things. Yeah, sex. Anything I mean, violence related, you know, yeah. There, yeah, there's a million COVID. spam words. Yeah, COVID is a spam word now. So yeah. coronavirus is a spam word now, as crazy as that is, but they've become spam words now. And like spam words don't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you've got to be cautious. And when I say they're being cautious, you've got to at least have a reputation and a schedule and stuff. So if you come out gate swinging, you've never emailed your list in six months, and you come in with, I'm coronavirus and you know everything's going on. We're sorry to hear we're still open. That's probably going to end up in spam box. But if you're someone who regularly emails someone and then you say, hey, here's what we're doing for coronavirus or COVID-19, then suddenly it becomes a lot softer in the Gmail or whatever the ISP or the internet service provider that's receiving the email looks at that and goes, yeah, it has the spam trigger words, but we have history about the user 
and they realize that they open those emails. So like right. you've done a good metrics. job over time of earning that trust that I spoke Correct. about a few minutes ago. Um, and part of this is also, you know, when I'm working with a client, I, um, you know, I'm creating this great story in the, on the sales page. I might in my head think that a story is the greatest thing in the world and I will go with it and write the hell out of this thing and send it over to the client and it just may crash and burn. So I don't want to put all of my eggs in one basket and using an email is perfect. So if I'm selling a product and I think, okay, these are, I got five different stories that I can tell about this product. Well, guess what? There's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, different emails going out and each day it's going to have uh, uh, the different modality, a different story. And I'm going to see which one people like the best. And yep. then that's going to guide me for when I actually turn over to the client. Um, now, one thing that people make mistakes on all the time is they try to sell the product or service in the email. And this is the, you, you don't go through all of the trouble of setting up a landing page and creating all this page copy and everything and all of these, the, this salesmanship just to not use it, right? The subject of the email, the whole point isn't to sell a product. It's to get you curious or excited yep. or decide you want to read more. The email is to get, again, it's to build some kind of curiosity or some kind of get you pumped about something or give you some kind of information that makes you want to click on the link. And it's only on the other side of that link that you're going to try and sell the product. Now, there's a company that I know that I don't want to name offhand. I'm a fan of their actual product. You upload your digital photos and then in the mail in a few days, um, you get these printed out eight by eight squares of your photo on a plastic that's meant to last for a long time that stick on your wall. There's no nails on there. They go on really easily. You can move them around. It's a really cool product. I've got uh, eight, I think, or so around my apartment. Uh, I've got my girlfriend some. I've, my father now has taken all of his old family photos from over the years, and he's got a wall of about 20 of them. It's an awesome product, and you know, the having it for yourself or having it, uh, giving it as a gift, it's a real easy sell. The problem is, is that every time I get an email from them, they're announcing a 40% off sale or something. They don't give me anything other than here's the sale. It ends tomorrow at midnight. And then I know in 72 more hours, there's going to be another sale. So number one, I have no reason to buy from them at a normal price. Ever. If I was going to order these and I was going to order whether it be one or a hundred of these, I'm not buying it until I see that email come in announcing a sale. Uh, but two, I literally only have the idea in my head of how I can use this. I thought for my father, oh, for his birthday, wouldn't it be cute if I took some photos from you know the time I'm really little all the way up until now and had these printed out and sent to him gift wrapped and didn't tell him, and what would he look, you know, what would be the surprise on his face when he opened that box? That was because I came up with that idea on my own. They didn't tell me this in a story. They didn't tell me about uh, how somebody did that for their mom for Mother's Day or for grandma's birthday or how, um, you know, Mikey moved out of the house for the first time, got his very first place, was feeling a little homesick and was able to get pictures of his family and his dogs and his best friends and stuff on the wall and how it looked more mature, more grown up than just taping your pictures up there. They never told me those stories. They just told me that there's 30% off from if I were to now at midnight. So one yeah. of, you know, that's the other thought is you don't 
use your email to sell. Usually there are times when you will. And if you do a sale once in a blue moon, let's say a Black Friday sale, great, announce that. If you're running a, um, a restaurant and bar and you know that Mondays and Tuesdays are usually your most dead nights and you want to announce that you come in for any uh, meal and you're going to get a free draft beer or a glass, a glass of half of house wine on, you know, for free, great. You can sell that through the email. But other than a few exceptions, you're not, you're, the job of the email is not to get someone to take their wallet out. That's the link that's on the other end of that email. Correct. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always say the three E's of email, which is excite, ed, uh, excite, educate, and edify, right? Those are what all emails have to have. So you got to excite them, got to educate them. What's coming doesn't mean you have to tell them you sell the sizzle, not the steak. Pretty standard, right? You want this, you want them to smell the steak, but they don't, they know there's something there. They have an idea what it is. They don't know what it is. And then you edify them by saying, click here to see the steak. So like being able to take a person and really just getting them excited. And you're right. No one buys from the email. They buy from what happens on the landing page over uh, whatever it may be, that final page that they go, because that's where the actual sale occurs, right? So I'm totally with you on that. And I agree with you 100%. You know, it's, it's uh, funny that you mentioned um, sell the sizzle, not the steak. Um, what was it? I think it's uh, Chili's is the national brand that um, kind of made sizzling fajitas like a known thing. And I don't know about you, but they've always been more than disappointing when I've ordered them. I get them, I get excited, and then they come and I'm like left a little bit disappointed. But regardless, um, I, I know a story from a few decades ago that basically they brought in this uh, marketing consultant and said, we're a national chain. We need to be known for something. Where, how do we get people to come into our chilies rather than the TGI Fridays or the friendlies or whatever that's also in the same strip mall? And so he was tasked with creating um, this excitement that would get people, patrons' uh, heads to turn. And so they created this meal that comes on the sizzling hot plate that makes sound. It's louder than what you and I are speaking at. You, know, you also have this smoke that's getting carried, and it smells delicious. And it lands, yep. and everybody at the table, your eyes are going right to this thing with all the colors and the smoke and the sizzling. And now they found that, Every, so many more patrons saw that and they wanted to get on the action. So they started, you know, that's why uh, Chili's kind of got to be as big as it was because they sold the sizzle and not the meal behind it. So yeah. That, and that's one of my, still one of my favorite meals when I go to a Mexican place, every time I'll come in there and be like, I'm going to get the enchiladas tonight. And all of a sudden I hear the sizzle, I'll smell it. I'll kind of turn my head and then be like, eh, I'm going to get the fajitas today. And, yeah. you know, really the fajitas are probably the most basic of all the meals that are out there compared to everything else that, you know, a Mexican restaurant could offer. But it's so exciting because you've smelt it, you've excited, they've excited you. And now the way that I'm going to want to go out there and do it is order it because I want to be part of that experience more than just the product itself at that yeah, end of the day. You just got, said it, like the product's not even great, you know? <laughs> it's got more of a life to it than just a yep. plate of nachos. There's more going on Correct. that's almost sensory overload. Um, and that's, that's what we're, we're trying to use with email. Now, obviously you're not really going to be able to create that exact same response by writing an email alone. But if you, you follow that idea, um, that that's the main point of, you know, if I'm selling a different, 
uh, actually, I have a, one client that sells uh, what's called raw water, which is non-filtered, non-touch your man's, comes directly out of this natural spring. It's very expensive stuff. And the email campaigns that we ended up turning into a lot of the stuff on the landing page was talked about how bad tap water is and the stuff that go that a lot of municipalities put in their tap water. Why you have this um, uh, filter in your refrigerator and while it's great at removing a lot of these impurities, it breaks down over time. And after about the 10th or 20th glass of water, you're now actually introducing impurities back into it. And why bottled water is nothing but tap water at a 10,000% markup. Well, there's one space, there's two locations in the United States that have the purest, cleanest, best water in the entire world. And um, up until now, that was reserved for only the residents who live there who paid obscene property taxes for the privilege of access to this water supply for the first time ever, they are now allowing people, who non-residents, to, to get a sample of this. Yep. Okay, well- You've done it right there, yeah. I, I've now created a lot of uh, different emotions. You're wondering, wait, is my expensive water filter really that bad for me? Is the tapper, like, so I've, I've driven you through this whole range of emotions and now I don't need to tell you, you, you have to, here's the buy now button. All I did was say, click here to see if you qualify as one of the lucky few who can get this water. Now you, I, could have made it even, yeah. I could have made that a, a little bit softer if I wanted, but it's the same idea. I was selling the sizzle, not the steak. Yep. And when you're Absolutely. able to do that, people open your email. They read it, they click on it, they become responsive, and now your ISP, your Gmails, your Yahoo Mails, they know that your people on your email list want to receive your email, and they are much more lenient about letting more and more leads get your, the email delivered right to their inbox. Yep, and that's where data comes into play. I think that's the final thing that really is important to know is that that data is telling you something. It's painting your story of where the email went, how are they engaging, what are they doing? And you should really look at the data. And like, that's my pure believer. That's my truth. Like everything when it comes to email, like the data tells me the story of exactly what it is. Do they care? Do they want to hear your email? It, whatever it may be. And that's, you know, part of the deliverability process as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jimmy, I know you're very busy, so I'm not going to take much more of your time, but I really appreciate this. I think, uh, uh, you were able to give it a, almost a college level education in just a little under an hour, which is awesome. So thank you very much. Um, yep, I appreciate it. And if uh, somebody wanted to um, direct their clients or maybe their own businesses over to Sendlane and see, I mean, we only mentioned one or two of the features that make Sendlane so powerful, but there's probably a hundred or so that I know off the top of my head. I'm sure you know a thousand. If somebody wanted to learn more about what makes Sendlane so awesome, how do they go about doing that? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it right now. Uh, if you go to sendlane.com, we've got multiple options. You can watch an on-demand demo. You can sign up for a free trial. They can just experience yourself. Uh, we've got all these resources, like uh, a lot of different books and eBooks that we put out there that are very health helpful, action-based uh, eBooks that we put out there that you can learn a little bit more about how email marketing works as well too. Uh, and then of course, you know, you can always book a demo with us as well too. So right on our site, you can book a demo, you can get on a call, you can tell us what you're doing. And our job on the call is not to sell you on our platform, but to tell you what we can do to help automate something or alleviate pain out of your business as well too. And that's generally our job. So we look at ourselves as email consultants or email experts and not a little bit less than like 
selling your software because everyone can sell you software, but if you don't know how to use it and how to use it in your own business and how it can help you make more ROI, then it shouldn't be the uh, platform of your choice as well too. And even if you don't have the right platform, we'll also direct you to the right place if we believe that there's a better platform for your business and use case as well. So that's kind of our mantra and everything that we do. Um, now, Sendlane has an insane amount of very powerful um, uh, options and, and tools and abilities. And I know I've mentioned before that for the price, there's no better bang for your buck. But in case people are still a little bit weary about that, and they still think Sendlane is a way out of their price range. What do your plans start at? Uh, our plans start at $99 actually uh, a month or 79 if you pay annually. So that's our growth stage now, which is our entry level, uh, which gets you up to 5,000 subscribers and actually exposes you to every part of our product. So we made a big conscious decision that we used to do the whole thing that everybody else does, which is like, you know, you, you take the early people and only give them a small piece of product and then you'd have to pay more to get more product. We made a big decision to open up that availability because we realized that people if you can get them introduced to a lot of these like more advanced features early, that they become a better, more successful business owner than if we only lock them in until we get to it. Because by the time they get to it, their habits have already been built up. So that, our pricing does start at 99 bucks to kind of start off. Um, we have and a that's lot amazing. Of I mean, I know, I know a few other email service providers that are, are basically Bush league. They have terrible service. Yeah. They have no options, no tools. It's, uh, about as plain Jane boring as possible. They have terrible deliverability and they start at 179 a month. Yeah. So you, you're not only depending on where you're, you're using either spending the same amount or quite possibly less, but you're getting an enterprise level, incredibly powerful Correct. solution, which is amazing. So again, Jimmy, thank you very much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. I always love uh, talking to uh, smart people about, you know, and sharing this stuff out into the world so they can learn. I think that education is number one forefront of email marketing and especially how important it's getting now, especially with everything that happened and how businesses survived using email marketing over the last couple of months. Like, I think that's more a testament to how powerful this channel is and it should be absolutely something that you should be doing and, and part of the white knights of being a white knight and being able to get out there and kind of revive a business and kind of grow that business. Like this should be something you bring to the table wherever you're going as well too, because that's going to be an easy win for you in most cases as well. Absolutely, man. Thank you once again. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.